Hello, friendly people. Thanks for listening to Theory Lab, the American Cancer Society's research podcast. I'm Joe Cotter, here with my friend, Dr. Susanna Greer. How's life treating you, Susanna? Hey, Joe. I'm doing great. Well, ish. We're ish, in yeah. the middle of a pandemic, but I am, as I told Wendy, better than I deserve. Yeah, you spoke with Dr. Wendy DeMarc-Wanafried. She's an American Cancer Society clinical research professor. And that's one of our most prestigious research awards. Only a few scientists receive that honor each year. She's also a professor of nutrition sciences and associate director for cancer prevention and control at UAB, the University of Alabama at Birmingham. And she's the creator of a website, SurvivorShine.org, that helps cancer survivors reach and maintain a healthy weight through diet and exercise. Actually, a very timely conversation with all of us hunkered down at home due to COVID-19 because her research is focused on home-based diet and exercise interventions. Joe, that was a great summary. I, I think if you are a cancer patient, if you are a survivor, if you are someone who is caring for a cancer patient, this is a fantastic podcast to listen to right now because Wendy shares with us, first of all, a basic understanding that this is not easy. It is not easy to make changes in diet and physical activity, but she provides some really fantastic tools to help us make these changes to our lifestyle and takes us through this really beautiful story of data showing us that it works and that she has seen real changes in patients who are able to do things that they never thought they'd be able to do again. So especially today, especially on, um, we recorded on a Monday and in the middle of the pandemic, when we're all at home and struggling with what can we do to do a little better. And uh, Wendy was definitely a bright spot for me. Hi, Wendy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am doing probably better than I deserve. These are challenging times for all of us. Um, how are you doing? Well, we're doing all right. Um, our research involves the design and implementation of home-based diet and exercise interventions. So we are used to acting with uh, our participants remotely, but we still need to do the baseline visits with them and we still need to do follow-up. So we do need these face-to-face -face visits and COVID's really affecting us. Uh, but, you know, our, our survivors, they need to be safe. They uh, are at risk for COVID and, uh, and we take their safety really seriously. So it's uh, right now it's, we're in a holding pattern. Ah, you're right. So many of us are in a holding pattern right now. And I, I, I'm really excited to talk to you about all the work that you've done in this space, which is really focused around cancer survivors. And as you indicated your work to promote healthy diet and weight control and physical activity. So before we kind of dive down in that, I think it would be interesting for our listeners to understand what attracted you to this area of research. Uh, well, uh, when I was a young investigator, and that's many years ago, probably 30 years ago, I received a KO7 Preventive Oncology Award from the National Cancer Institute. And the mission of that award was to find out why women that receive adjuvant chemotherapy for breast cancer, why do they gain weight? 
And so we got this award. It was in the early 1990s. And we followed a whole bunch of women that received adjuvant chemotherapy for their breast cancer. And that was in the day where um, some women that had really early stage disease just got surgery or surgery plus radiation uh, for their breast cancer. And that doesn't happen nowadays uh, because almost every woman that is diagnosed with breast cancer is put on some sort of systemic treatment like hormonal treatment and that sort of thing. But uh, when we uh, got this award, uh, what we did is we followed these women, those that got adjuvant chemotherapy, those that didn't, and we followed them for a year after diagnosis. And we gave them a whole battery of tests. Uh, we did dietary recalls, body composition, physical activity assessments. We uh, put them in a metabolic hood. Uh, and what we found with those women is that their body composition changed dramatically, the ones that were on chemotherapy. It changed dramatically over the course of a year, so much so that it, it mimicked 10 years of normal aging. And so those results were really impressive to us. Um, they were published in JCO in 2001. And those were some of the very first data that, sh that showed that there was this evidence of sarcopenic obesity, that um, during the time of treatment, these body composition changes occurred that made women lose muscle and gain fat. And so the prescription to remedy that is resistance training exercise. And uh, so we started experimenting there to see if we could stop those um, adverse body composition changes from happening in these women. Uh, and that's what really got us started. Oh, wow. So that's so interesting. And in some ways... Oh my gosh, it just blows me away. So back in the 90s, you were really one of the first to enter this area. And what came out of some of your early studies was understood what you said and understanding that there are tremendous changes that happen to our bodies during adjuvant chemotherapy. And you said that it could mimic 10 years of normal aging within a year. So you're really seeing substantial changes to body composition, which make these lifestyle issues around diet and weight control and physical activity really important for cancer survivors. So can you, can you tell us a little bit more about now, fast forwarding 30 years, what specific needs do you see that cancer survivors have in this space? So, you know, the, these changes that occur, this loss of muscle is, is tremendous. And it impacts a cancer survivor's life tremendously. Uh, so even though we call it sarcopenic obesity and you think, oh, that, that means that these women are, gain, are gaining weight, it may not show up on the scale. Um, what may happen is that they lose uh, muscle and they replace that muscle with fat. Uh, and when that happens, then you can't do a lot of the stuff that you would no do normally. So you may not have the strength to do things like uh, walk up the stairs or uh, walk a mile or uh, do uh, vacuuming around the house. So that takes a toll on your 
physical functioning. Uh, and uh, most scary, perhaps of all, is that they're more at risk, significantly more at risk for another cancer. So we want to stop those things from occurring. And diet and exercise are actually two very good things that um, cancer survivors can do on their own. So Wendy, I, I'd love to know, is there a space here that you've carved out? Because while you're a leader in this field, you're not the only person in this field. So I'm wondering if we have these tremendous lifestyle needs of cancer survivors where suddenly my strength is depleted, I have risks for other challenges in the disease space, and then you have all these really cool ideas around, I love what you said about diet and exercise are things that cancer survivors can control. These are things we can do. Um, and I think honestly, especially now as we sit in the middle of this pandemic, it feels really good to know there's some things we have control over. So what I'd like to know is what are you and your colleagues contributing in this space that's kind of different than what other people are doing? So what we're contributing to this space is that we do a lot of work in home-based interventions. Uh, oftentimes, uh, investigators that are in the diet field, and particularly those that are in the exercise field, there's a lot of interventions that are being tested across the country. However, many of those interventions are clinic-based. You know, if a cancer survivor is going to participate in those clinical trials, they have to show up at uh, a cancer, you know, one of the comprehensive cancer centers across the country. We've made it our business to deliver the interventions at home. Uh, we started very early on with um, tailored mail-based interventions where people would get newsletters that were personalized to where they were as far as their diet and exercise behaviors go. And then we started to build on that. We added telephone counseling to it uh, and have had really great results. And now we're really heading toward more web-based interventions and really contribute to the science in that area. Uh, we have a, our challenge in front of us because oftentimes people do use web-based interventions, but they only use them for a short time. So the, the big challenge to us is, can we create an intervention that makes the cancer survivor want to come back week after week until they really have adopted those diet and exercise changes and really have made them part of their lifestyle. And so that's where our, that's what our research does. So I love that you've made a name for yourself in this home-based intervention space. Maybe take us back a little bit to where maybe some of this started. I, I know that you've participated in lots of interventions that were designed to promote physical activity and cancer patients and survivors. But I guess I've read a lot about your RENEW trial. It's literally RENEW, R-E-N-E-W. Would you maybe tell us a little bit about RENEW and what you learned in that space? And then we can talk about the adaptation of RENEW to, the, to a web-based app. Sure. So RENEW is actually one of our, our poster children. We're really proud of it. It was a, a trial that was funded by the National Cancer Institute, and it involved the participation of 641 cancer survivors 
Now, this was an intervention where we mailed people personalized uh, print materials on their diet and on their exercise. And then we paired it with a telephone counseling intervention that was delivered from a health coach. And what happened with Renew is we had some permanent weight loss, which was great. We had improvements in quality of life and we had improvements in this physical function. So these cancer survivors, after a year of participating on Renew, they could do things like they could climb stairs a lot better, or they could walk a mile a lot better, or they could lift a bag of groceries a lot better. And so that was a real victory for us, and, and we're really proud of it. Um, the other thing that Renew was able to do, and I think you mentioned it, is that we were able to disseminate this broadly. So when we had these 641 cancer survivors, even though I was working at Duke, which is in North Carolina, we had cancer survivors that participated across the globe. So across the United States, across Canada, and we even had some people in Australia and the UK that participated. So we had a really broad reach with it. I can just imagine how proud you, you were of these survivors, how proud they were of themselves to have a better quality of life at the end of this year. And, and, and it must have really given you motivation to move to the next step, which if I've read correctly, I understand was to move to a web-based app that would allow you to have broader reach, broader impact, broader dissemination. So I, I'd love to talk a little bit about your website that you're developing called Survivor Shine. So can you help us maybe to understand? I have a couple of questions. So who specifically was Survivor Shine designed for? And maybe help us understand the link between this Renew trial and the Survivor Shine web-based okay. app. Well, let, let me go back first and, and uh, correct you. Uh, most of the people on Renew uh, had improvements. There were some people that didn't improve. Uh, now, granted, those were in the definite minority However, um, there were some, so uh, I don't want to say that absolutely everybody improved. But, you know, I'm uh, married to an attorney, and uh, he's taught me to never say always or never. So, but I think it, the majority. I mean, that's so impressive. So it was, yeah. So Renew was a very light touch, if you will, a, was considered a light touch intervention, in that survivors weren't required to come in. They weren't required to do that much. Uh, and, and yet it made a big change. I think uh, one of the, the men that I'm most proud of wrote me a note afterwards. Uh, he was a retired school teacher and he had um, an extra 15 pounds to lose and he knew it. Uh, and he was able to lose those with Renew. Uh, and he was one that really increased his physical function. And he wrote me, I think, like five years after he had completed Renew, and he said, you know what, I can now, I volunteer for Habitat for Humanity several times a week. I would have never thought about doing that uh, before I was on Renew, and it really did change my life. So uh, it's letters like that that really, you know, hit home and make you think, 
yeah, I must be doing something, you know, or my team, because let's face it, one does not do these things alone. Uh, our team really did accomplish a lot. Sure. So you had asked me about uh, Survivor Shine, uh-huh. and Survivor Shine is a takeoff of Renew. It's the web adaption of Renew. And so we took what we felt were the active ingredients of that diet and exercise trial, and we put them on the website. Now, Survivor Shine was funded by the American Cancer Society, and I want us to say thank you. Uh, you really did help us a lot in being able to create this website. Uh, if you sign on, the Survivor Shine website has the ACS logo right there because ACS was part and parcel of it. And it leads people through uh, the changes that that uh, need to be taken in order to follow the ACS guidelines for diet and, um, and physical activity. Um, so Survivor Shine, we have worked hard to create over the past oh, three years. We are finalizing it right now. I encourage uh, anybody that any cancer survivor that's out there that wants to access it, uh, the website that they would go to is survivorshine, all one word, dot org, and uh, they can get personalized feedback on their dietary behaviors. So uh, we're really proud of that, and we hope that that's a resource that can be used by the general community. I think it's so interesting to me that some of your takeaways seem to be that it, it doesn't matter that it's not required. So one of the things that you pointed out in the very beginning is that your strategy is not to bring people into the clinic, but to provide interventions that you can do at home. So none of this is required. You're not checking in on people physically. They don't have to come in and meet with Wendy and kind of check these boxes that they've done, but they've made really big changes. So to me, that's motivational and interesting. And it, it leads me to a next question, which is that all of these interventions were new and then the web-based app that you've developed and are de- continuing to develop, Survivor Shine, they really do seem right for broad dissemination. So you've already had a global impact, but it seems like that could even be bigger. So do you do you think that these interventions, and I would say especially Survivor Shine, are scalable? Yes, I think these these interventions definitely are scalable. That's where we really have been directing all of our work. And the reason why uh, it's so important to develop scalable interventions is if you look at people who have been diagnosed with cancer in the United States, uh, so many people, so many cancer survivors live a very good distance away from where they received their chemotherapy or their surgery. Uh, they would have to travel miles and miles to go and see, uh, to go and get an intervention delivered at those places. So this is one way that we can have our interventions meet people where they are, which is their home. Uh, I also think it's really important that uh, oftentimes when people do go to a healthcare inst- or facility or institution, whatever, they, they're nervous. They're not on their own home ground. 
And oftentimes we can provide instruction uh, and guidance and counseling, but people sometimes don't hear it uh, unless they feel in a, unless they are in a setting that they feel comfortable. Uh, and so what's more comfortable than your own home? Uh, you can get your instruction on the web and go immediately to your pantry and see if the oil that you bought yesterday is a good kind of oil or is it one that we, you know, you really shouldn't be consuming on a regular basis. Being at home is a really powerful tool. The one thing that you said is I want to make sure that I, I correct it is that we uh, have really created websites as opposed to apps. Uh, and we've stayed away from making an app, even though they're very convenient. Unfortunately, with an app, they, the information tends to go out of, it, it can't be updated easily. And so a website can be updated more easily and we're, we're able to keep on top of it better. So, um, so we've, uh, we've stayed away from the app space. I, I have to ask you because you are such an expert in this space. So many of our listeners are cancer patients and survivors and folks that love them and their lives have been turned upside down. So they are sheltering in place now. Are there things that they can do right now from their homes to positively impact their well-being um, that I know you would say these are my my top suggestions. So very yeah this is very good and really I think all of us that are sheltering in, in place are realizing what's important to us and our families are important to us. And our health is important to us. Let's face it, we have, if there is ever a, a time in America's life to be, um, to be healthy on your own, this is the, this is the time because you don't want to go into a hospital unless you have to. Uh, so the, the big thing is, is if you're not active, think about starting a, a physical activity program. Start slowly. Add 10 minutes of physical activity a day. Uh, and uh, uh, get that walking in. Go someplace where you can maintain social distancing, but walk around the block uh, and get moving. So that's number one. Number two is try the best you can to follow a plant-based diet. Now that's tough when grocery shopping is limited, uh, but the next time that you are at a grocery store, stock up on a lot of whole grains, stock up on frozen vegetables. Uh, you don't have to eat fresh ones. Frozen ones are, are good. You're going to get nutrients from them. Uh, and eat less meat. Uh, you probably want to eat less meat from not only health risk from COVID, but you probably want to eat, but you definitely want to eat less meat from a cancer standpoint. Uh, and perhaps now's the time, a great time. It's the spring. Uh, plant a vegetable garden. Uh, it is one way that you can get fresh vegetables. Uh, you don't have to go to the store, and it's a great way to get more exercise, particularly in the outdoors. So that those would be my suggestions. Those are great suggestions, and we will definitely provide the link to Survivor Shine to the website because it sounds like we could all get more personalized information there as well 
to help us really bring some of these impactful changes into our lives, um, despite what are, are certainly really challenging circumstances. So thank you for you and your team and all you've done. We're really grateful. Oh, well, I'm really grateful for the support. So thanks, ACS, because we never could have got here without you. Well, I guess that that's my final question. I Are there ways, you mentioned the, the website at, itself, are there ways that the ACS, that our funding has impacted your research? Oh, well, absolutely. So the Survivor Shine website has now led to this Amplify study that we, we never would have gotten had we not um, uh, started this, you know, to, to do this web-based work. Uh, and, you know, I mentioned the, we, we started off this interview talking about very early uh, events and we had a KO7, I, I had a KO7 award, but I wouldn't have gotten the KO7 award had it not been for a, an American Cancer Society institutional grant that was um, a $15,000 grant, I still remember it, uh, and that was instrumental in being able to uh, get enough pilot data to make the KO7 possible. So the American Cancer Society does a lot with regard to this, these pilot grants, um, particularly in sponsoring young investigators. Uh, and that is that is work that's very important. Well, it's important to us as well because those early investments and in young investigators lead to conversations like the one we're having today, where I am constantly blown away by the impact that um, researchers have, um, especially individuals like you who are a part of the ACS family. So. Thank you, Wendy, for sharing your time with us today and your expertise, and stay safe. You too. Thank you.